Welcome to Is It Hard, a podcast documenting how we handle the unexpected shit life throws at us. When you're faced with a stage four cancer diagnosis that threatens your mere existence on this planet, you're forced to take a hard look at your choices in life. Disenchanted with the fear-based wellness culture that takes things way too seriously, we decided to script our own healing manual. One where we laughed our way into a better and yes, healthier version of ourselves. If you're seeking change without the extreme rituals and fear of death, if you drink an unfiltered glass of water, then look no further. We are your down-to-earth guide through the hard shit. Because really, the answer is, it doesn't always have to be hard. All right. Would you rather have nipples for toes or toes for nipples? Ooh, that's tough. Sorry, when you were talking about nipples, it, it just literally... Before we started, Gus jumped up, jumped up on me, and I was holding him, and he bit my nipple. It was a little chocolate chip or something, and it fucking hurt. So, toes for nipples. Or nipples for toes. Ooh, I would, I would do nipples for toes, because I've seen some people with nipples that look like toes, and it's not... Well, I was just going to say, you could argue that any breastfeeding woman already has toe nipples. She does have baby toe nipples. Yeah. <laughs> no one talks about that. Yeah. No one talks about what your nipples become. When I don't you want long nipples. No, okay. thanks. All right. But what does that do to your equilibrium if you have nipple toes? I think that's more of like an inner ear thing. Um, maybe you might trip a lot more or fall over a lot more, but it's not due to... The world spinning around your nipple toes. <laughs> okay, well, I'm taking toe nipples, so. That's what I, yeah, that's what I'm taking. No, I mean, I'm taking nipple toes. Nipple toes? <laughs> okay. All right, well, we're then, then we're a match made in heaven. Then it's settled. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, we're back again. How do you feel about our first recording? How was, how was that for you, listening back to that? I, I mean, I've. Yeah, it felt good. Room to grow always. Yeah. It's difficult once you hit that record button. You know, things shift a little bit, but I know in time that will change. Yeah. But I, in general, I felt really good about it. Yeah, and people were super supportive and lovely and encouraging, and it's been great. So I do want to touch on the fact that we are – using humor to process a heavy situation. It doesn't mean we're taking light of what happened, but that's just our coping mechanism. I think that's one of the things that drew each other, us to each other is that we, we like to turn everything into a joke sometimes to our detriment. Um, but that's kind of what we're doing here. So we're not making light of the situation. We're not flipping about it, but I think that is what helps us get a little deeper to the, to the root of our, our issues is to crack. Why are you looking at me? Like you could take just, my life right now. I'm like, Oh really? You're like, sorry. So intense. I'm just burning a hole through your, yeah. through your face. Sorry. <laughs> like you had coffee with no food this morning. Uh, I didn't have coffee this morning. So you had 10 pounds of locks though. I had a bagel. On locks. So disgusting. It's probably the best. <sighs> so, Thoughts? Are you here? Hello? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. 
Yeah, I'm just, to me, it's like, we get to choose to behave the way we want to about our own situation. So yeah. I don't really give a shit, right? Like, yes, it's a very serious topic in general, but this is our story. Yeah. So I'm going to make fun of it or laugh about <laughs> it or have a good time and enjoy it. I'm just prefacing it for yeah. maybe some rando that stumbles upon this and they're like, why are they laughing about melanoma? It's not a joke. Yeah. It kind of is to us. Just let it be what it is. Um, so this episode is a cut and dry timeline of the last 10 years, 12 years. How long have we been together? 12, well, 12 years. 12 years this year. Um, the inspiration was our... We had a 10-year wedding anniversary party two years ago, and it was suggested to us that we say a little speech out loud to, to family and friends. Um, and if I'm being completely honest, and I'd, I'd love for you to share. Your, Sorry, if you're going to hear our dogs. There's dogs or, in the background. It is yeah. what it is. Um, you can share your thoughts as well. But when I sat down to write the speech... I had a hard time like writing this lovey fluffy. Cause you're just not good at that in general. No, I, no, 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 <laughs> no, I am. I'm, I, our vows were darling and sweet. And so we had darling vows, right? I think it speaks to, hold on. Okay. Sorry. We had to get the dogs out of here. They were driving me nuts. Yeah. Um, so when I sat down to write, this little speech, I was having a hard time. And if I'm being honest, it was because it was probably one of the lower points of our marriage at that point. We were our tenure. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It wasn't great. It wasn't, it wasn't the best. And nobody knew. I mean, we I don't think we told anybody, but I just couldn't find the words to like write a love note to you in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I struggled writing this you know, fluffy love note. And I just figured I would do like a high level view of the last 10 years at that time for everyone to kind of paint a picture of like what we've been through. And I remember reading it out loud at the party and hearing people like audibly gasp. And someone was like, Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, wow, like what's, what's so shocking. Right. Um, but looking back on it, I was like, wow, we've like really had been through hell and back probably more than most couples go through in a lifetime at that point. And we were still standing and we were still together. And I think that was kind of a turning point for me where I was like, I can either be an angry insufferable asshole for the rest of my life, or I can, I can get it together and and move past this and realize like we've got a real great opportunity here to, to move forward in a, in a, in a better way and not let this cancer fallout take an emotional toll on us. And so that was a, a pivotal moment for me, but I think it's also the inspiration for this episode where it's that timeline of chronologically how everything shook out, how the diagnosis happened. Um, not so much like our, emotional standpoint in, in, in each situation, but more just kind of cut and dry black and white. 
where we can chat about how all of that rolled out. And then following episodes, I think getting deep into each, getting into each cancer. Diagnosis. Cancer chasm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then that's where we can hash out each situation with Mm. each other. Um, This one, not, not a heavy, not a heavy hitter, just like cut and dry black and white. Um, I wrote out a timeline, but you know, it happened to you. So please chime in as you see fit. Okay. I'll I'll do my best. (laughs) You know, my memory. Uh, No, I think bringing up some of this stuff will trigger stuff for you. I do have the memory of an elephant. So I think another reason why we work so well, because I remember everything and you do not remember nothing. Okay. (laughs) All right. So it started, I like to start what? I was going to say coping mechanism. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tend to black a lot of things out. Trauma response. Right. So I like to start in 2013. We were living in North Carolina. We were um, about to have our first child. It was July, end of July. I think Finn was beginning of August. So end of July. We're at the lake. I'm about to pop and my mom's in town and she took a picture of us at the lake. Kind of our last like picture of just the two of us. Um, and it, this is important because it'll show you how quickly things escalated. But um, we have Finn in August and then October, I notice a mole on your leg. And I was like, that is strange. Where did that come from? And you told me that you had always had this mole. And I was like, it's certainly not. It's this big black scaly thing. Like it wasn't that big at the time. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. It was a big, like blood sausage. It looked like a little blood, blood blister. It didn't. It did. It looked like a blood mole. It looked like a blood diamond. It should not have been there. Yeah. It popped up overnight. I think that's why I was like, what is that? My mom had me going to the dermatologist every six months as a child. I am as fair as humanly possible. And, you know, that's always been in my orbit. So when I saw that mole pop up, I was like, no, that's, that's gross. You got to get that out of here. And you were convinced that you'd always had it. So you kind of brushed me off. Um, Fast forward a year, you had gotten out of the army. We had moved to Maryland for your new job And I finally said, okay, you have to go to a dermatologist. The thing was growing. Finn was playing with it. See, it was growing. Well, okay. (coughs) Finn was- Exhibit A. Rewind the tape. Finn Finn was playing with it and scratching it and it was bleeding. It just was, it was sick. It was was gross. gross. It was frigging gross. If nothing other than just to get it taken off of you. So you go to the dermatologist and- I'll let you speak to that experience because I wasn't there. Yeah. So I remember you scheduled me, uh, the appointment. Um, it was just a rant, you know, another day of the week, early in the morning, I had to stop by, uh, the, the dermatologist there. Um, and I walked in and he took a look at it just at first glance. He said, Hey, you know, this is, this is some genetic regular, you know, nothing to be alarmed. He pointed to some pamphlet on the wall and said, you know, you're fine, Mm -hmm. but Hey, we're going to, we're going to remove it today anyways. And we'll send it to the pathology just, you know, uh, um, 
you know, just in case. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, excuse me. Um, so I was like, all right. So froze it, shaved it off, put a bandaid on it and went about my day. So about three days later, um, I think it was in the evening, right? We got it home, was Friday, you were making the dinner, 13th, making dinner, October 13th. Um, we had Finn running around and I get a phone call around what, five thirty or so in the evening. And, and you said, shit, it's I was my- like, Oh shit. It's the dermatologist. Mm. Uh, my alarm bells, not even, not even Mine, yes. on the radar. Mine. Yes. My soul came out of my butt. So answer point. the phone and he's like, Hey, um, I'm really sorry, but pathology came back and I just want to let you know that it is melanoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. So like, yeah, with some aspirin. Or <laughs> Did you get it <laughs> like, all? Do I like scrub it with a loofah and yeah. <laughs> things are fine? Um, he gave you some extra information on that call too that um, that it was ulcerated and how deep it was. And like, that didn't mean anything to us at the point. Right. I was like, okay, dude, I, I can't even spell ulcerated. So, (laughs) um, so I do, I do vaguely remember standing right next to the front door, like kind of facing the wall. Um, and I did have a, a bout of like, wait, this is cancer. Like, Mm -hmm. Hmm, that's weird. I have cancer, but nothing really registered at that point. Still, like deeply like, oh shit, this is, this is really serious. I knew the um, second that, that you said, oh shit, it's the dermatologist. Yeah. I was like, oh fuck, here we go. Um, because I knew melanoma at that point, 12 years ago, anything past like stage one was pretty much a death sentence. Yeah. Like it really was. I think, I don't know. I mean, that was the first thing I did. My toxic trait is to Google stuff until I'm in a full-blown panic attack. So, so the phone call ended with, um, you know, I've sent all your paperwork, your, your, basically your, your file off to Johns Hopkins and you're in their hands now. And nice knowing you. See you later. Godspeed. Godspeed. Um, so can you imagine if he didn't take that mole off? Cause to him it didn't look like melanoma. Right. Which is be, crazy. Be Cause dead. it, I think in general, um, cause I, you, if you Google pictures of melanoma, it's like this superficial kind of on the surface, sprawling, spreading, bloody. Yeah. But that just speaks to the fact that like we knew something was wrong, like intuitively that mole was not right. And for a doctor to be like, you're crazy. And Technically, that's medically gaslighting you. Like, you're wrong. You don't, don't, you don't know your body. I, I know it. You don't. I think it's insanity. I mean, I'm very grateful that he cut it off. But if he didn't, the reality is you would not still be alive. Right. So to people out there listening, if there's something on your body or something, you know, something happening that you, you know to the core of you is not right, you push until you get the answer mm-hmm. that you want. Um. So yeah, I don't know how much longer until we heard from, uh, well, that was a Friday and yeah. Monday. Was it that quick Monday? I called okay because they told us to wait and I was like, you called yeah, Hopkins fucking right. Am I waiting for someone to call me? So I called Johns Hopkins. We had your doctor's name or her, the name, her name was Dr. Lang. So I called her office and I spoke to her receptionist and I, you know, I was just like, 
I when are when are we going to get in? Like, because to me it was like we needed to be seen yesterday, and there was just no rush. Um, I think they ended up getting us in that week, and she went over because she was a surgical oncologist, so her role was literally to just cut mm. the cancer out of your body. Um, and that's when she walked us through, um, you know, what a sentinel node biopsy was, what their next steps were. <clears throat> and I think from the time that we got the call that it was cancer to the time that they did the biopsy was about two weeks. So that's when they did, they injected your mole with like radioactive yeah, so, goo. Yeah. That, so that surgery was scheduled to do uh, cut out the mole on the right side of my knee mm-hmm. and also um, they injected some it was really it was cr- kind of crazy to think about like the technology they injected some radioactive or I don't know what it was like some dye is what Superman it was Superman sperm <clears throat> into your and leg. they like stuck it right into the mole <coughs> excuse me and it was kind of like a live stream uh, um, x-ray where you could watch the dye kind of travel mm-hmm. up my leg through, I don't know if it was the lymphatic system or the vein or whatever. You can watch it travel up. And once it hit the sentinel node um, in my right groin, then it like started to really glow. And he basically just took a Sharpie out, this guy, and mm-hmm. put a dot right on my groin here. Here's X the, marks the spot. And that was the the lymph nodes that were being fed by that. So that was mole. the concern was, yeah. Hey, you know, um, best case scenario, we just cut the thing out and yeah, have a nice day. Bye bye. Yeah. Um, worst case scenario is that it has, um, progressed into your lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. So that was the procedure. Remove the mole, um, and they remove took two, they took two yeah, lymph nodes, remove the sentinel node. And I think they took like a, a a lymph node that was right next to it or yeah. something. Yeah. There, it was like, Oh, it's here. I'll just take it anyways. Yeah. And they had to get clean margins with the mole. So that required a skin graft because I mean, it's like a moon crater on your leg yeah. now. It's like a shark bite. Yeah. Um, and the two lymph nodes. Yeah. And then about two weeks later, you had a follow-up appointment, like to see how your wounds were healing and, or maybe it was a week later. And then Dr. Ling went over the pathology with you. And that's when she told you that, the two lymph nodes they took were actually cancerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when she officially staged you as stage three B melanoma. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was pretty heavy because mm-hmm. it, that wasn't, it was a pretty grim picture at that point. So next steps after that was to remove all the lymph nodes in your right groin, which they don't, they don't even do that anymore. It's just a dangerous option to do. You, you need your lymph nodes. But at the time, 12 years ago, that, that was the standard of care. So you went in end of November, right around Thanksgiving, and they took all of your lymph nodes out. And that surgery was... Yeah, I mean, so was that, was, that was brutal. Um, like, you don't realize how much groin muscle she actually had to... I don't think she had to cut through the entire groin muscle, but she's like, I had to cut through a lot of muscle and relocate it and reattach it to somewhere else to get all the way in there and find um, that whole lymph bundle, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, 
Yeah, so you don't really realize how much groin muscle you use when <laughs> your groin muscle isn't well, there anymore. Yeah, and that that recovery was awful. Like you had a, yeah. a what's it called? A uh, drain, had, just a draining yeah. crotch got, goo all the time that I had to empty. I got MRSA. Oh yeah, in that wound. In hospital for five extra days. Yep. They yep. had you on so a central line of vancomycin. Vancomycin just destroying my veins. Um, that was like pure acid. And you had to cut yourself off from the Dilaudid because you I did. They were had me, which Dilaudid. Like every like, four hours. Oh yeah. You were like, ding, 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 ding. And finally you were like, you have to stop giving oh, this to me. What's that, that nurse? I won't mention her name, but she would, she would come in. She's like, oh, I'm here for your, you know. Ryan and I still say it to each other. It was, we were, you were always like, hi, Shin Shin. Hi, Shin Shin. <laughs> I was just high as hell. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I think after like the second or third day, she came in with the meds and I said, hey, can I don't, I, can you stop giving that to me? She's like, oh, are you feeling better? And I said, no, but I'm really starting to enjoy our visits. Yeah, and unless you want me to be another yeah. crackhead out in the yeah. middle of Baltimore, like rolling around on the floor, I, I need you to yeah. respect my was, wishes. Right, so <laughs> I think they put me on like Tylenol 3 or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, which then sucks. So I was like, damn, I really miss that Dilaudid. No, they gave you, they gave you Oxy to take home the five milligram, but I mean, you're such a lightweight. It's, I yeah. always thought it was so funny. You are such a lightweight that five milligrams would like decimate you. Yeah. I decimate the, you. I'm like, he could never be a not, drug addict. He's yeah, too opiates are not, <laughs> not my jam. Um, okay. So, um, that was end of November, 2014. Mm. And I think we got the official, pathology the first week of December, Dr. Lang called and said, listen, all the lymph nodes right. were clear. So technically you've been cancer free since October 29th when we took the sentinel nodes right. and the mole. So start to finish that episode was like three months. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the middle of that, we met with a medical oncologist or a hematologist mm -hmm. and Dr. Sharfman. And he said, your options were. He was an oncologist. Yeah. Yeah, isn't a hematologist? A, well, they, I don't know. Uh, the, all I know is they called the hema hematology oncology. Hematology oncology. Yeah, I mean it's any any. He was an oncologist. Sure. He was okay. cancer cancer doctor. He was a cancer guy. Yeah. He said at that point, your only option was interferon, which was a weekly injection for a year that makes you feel like absolute garbage, to possibly delay a reoccurrence up to nine months and. This He kind of laid it out this way. He said, we've put more research and money into melanoma in the last five years than we have in the last 50 because we are seeing younger and younger people affected. So he said, you could take this and it could buy you an extra nine months. And, you know, a few years from now, melanoma treatment could, it, it, you know, it could be completely different than mm -hmm. where we are today. Um, and you asked him, you said like, you know, if I was your son, he said, I would tell you not to do it. It, the, the reward did not outweigh the risk, you know, because you're young. We had Finn, I was pregnant with Ellie and he's like, your quality of life for the next year would just, it, it, it wouldn't exist. Which is kind of a strange thing to ask a stranger. I think it's an honest thing to ask yeah. a stranger because when you put them in a spot. Well, I also didn't really have a dad to call yeah. too. So <laughs> I was like, will you be my daddy? <laughs> Tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, daddy issues. Yeah. Um, 
But he was really honest. Uh, and I know I've told you this before. I, I teeter of like, was he being honest or did he look at you like a dead man walking? And he was thinking, listen, this guy's going to, it's going to wipe him out either way. Why not let him have nine months of like a, I didn't get that vibe from him. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of did. Now that I look at it, now that I know that what we've been through statistically, because that's really how doctors practice Mm -hmm. and and there's no offense, but it's statistics. He just put me into a a bucket and was like, here. It's like 60% chance you're going to be gone in five years and a 40% chance you won't, which uh, the odds were not in our favor. Um, so so fast forward um, to the end of 2018, you start, and, and for the last few years, you had been scanned and blood work routinely, um, but they were just scanning your trunk because, again, statistically, it would, if melanoma comes back, right. it's going to come back. What did he say? The lungs? Lungs, liver, liver. which... Uh, also brain too. Brain well, is a big spot. No yeah. one was going to scan your, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was a money thing. I don't know. I don't know. You need, first of all, you know. need to advocate for yourself. Yeah. If you have melanoma, if you've had melanoma, they need to be scanning you tip to tip, tip to tip. Cause tip to tip. it, <laughs> because it will go anywhere. You didn't, you know, someone that had dick melanoma. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it does sound familiar. Some dude. I had it on like a nut. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, tip to tip. You need to be scanned, right? Yeah. And you need to be getting blood work. You need to stay on top of it. You need to advocate for yourself. Like this, no one cares about your health as much as you do. Um, doctors are not God. You are your biggest advocate. So you, you have to push for these things. We did not know at the time. Mm-hmm. We just did what we were told. They were just scanning your trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, End of 2018, you started to have these weird neurological symptoms. Or 19. The end of 2018. Okay. You started to have weird light sensitivity and ringing in your ears. Yeah, I'd get these, um, the the ones that would be like, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but the, these kind of like these flashes, like you, like you think you saw, just saw something mm. and you like look up and you're like, what? <laughs> you know, like these just kind of yeah. like these like little like neurons firing like through your eye, yeah. like a little, you'd see this like lightning something streak that, you shouldn't, that would just something go. Something that should not be happening right, to right you. Right through your eye. And you're yeah. like, what, what was that? Yeah. Um, so. And then you started to feel a, yeah, a bump well, on your head. That, honestly, I don't remember starting to feel, I really remember waking up one morning and was like getting coffee and, I think I might've had a little bit of a headache or I felt tender up in my head. And so I felt my head and that's why I felt this knot on the right side of my head. Mm-hmm. This is and now 2019. There, this is, this is February, 2019 yeah. after so a few months sitting of- there rubbing this, this knot on my head and uh, thinking to myself like, man, did I get into some fight or something or just these, you're trying to rationalize or figure out yeah. what's going on. Did I, smack my head on the door jam or something. I mean, my first thought would be like, do I have a zit here? I'm not thinking like who beat me up it in my sleep. I'm not, like, is this a zit? No, it, cause I've had, you know, I've had knots before, you know, you get punched or something like that. And it's like, no, that's I not, don't know. I've never been punched. That's, that's not a zit. <laughs> um, so, um, I had traveled, uh, quite a bit and I wasn't established 
back here in San Diego um, with the VA medical center. So I called the, you know, local outpatient clinic here. Um, really quick. We lived. Yeah. You at this point, they deemed your cancer service connected. So it was a hundred percent covered by the VA, mm-hmm. which is why you were going through the VA mm-hmm. and you are a disabled vet. So your, your medical costs were covered. So that's why if people are like, why is he going through the VA? That's, that well, was oh, the decision there. I was in the army, so. Well, not everyone chooses yeah. the VA as their um, care. Which, shout out to the VA. They were great. I, me, they've done, I'm, yeah. they've been incredible. So I called the local clinic and, um, you know, they're like, hey, the earliest we can get you in is March or, you know, it's about, about a month out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, I can't fight that. I get it, you know. Right, well, just book the appointment. And I remember hanging up and I stood there just kind of rubbing my head going. And that was the first time I actually felt something in my gut. Not once did I think, oh, my cancer's back. Because mm-hmm. it had been four and a half years. Yeah, it was almost five years. Um, But that was the first time my gut was actually like, you should go. Yeah, take care of this. You should take care of this mm-hmm. and you shouldn't wait. Um were you home or did I call you or I was at work and you called me and I kind of just shrugged you off. I was like, whatever up. There was a little twinge of like, Oh fuck, you know, but I pushed it aside and I was like, God, he's just being dramatic. This is it. I thought it was like an inborn hair or something. Um, no, it was a good welt on the side of my head. Yeah. I just kind of wrote you off. I drove down. Um, I drove down to the La Jolla, um, VA hospital and checked into the ER and of course, and I get this right in my mind. I'm like, Oh, some, some guy just walks in presenting a headache <laughs> with a knot on his head. Right. And there's like dudes with gangrene foot feet and you know, all sorts of weird shit going One guy on. Had so, like a wiener thing going on. Like he got like some dude had a wiener thing going on. <laughs> yeah, Like jalapeno wiener or something like it was He's burning or something. lots of screaming about his wiener. Um, and so I just sat there and, again, just kind of embraced it. It's like, listen, I get it. They're triaging. There's nothing they can do about this. Um, I just got to wait my turn. So they finally call me back there. Um, and they did a, I think they did an ultrasound. So the doctor came in and did an ultrasound um, of my head and then was like, this, this is like a huge mass on your head. This is, this is a tumor. Mm, he couldn't say that. He wouldn't, they wouldn't say cancer to us. Well, I remember that specifically, but they said or, mass. And right. then well, he, he couldn't clarify what it was. He's like, what do I know? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, it's a mass. Yeah. It right? should, it should not be right. there. You, you have something on your head that shouldn't be there. Yeah. So I think that's when I called you and I was like, I think my fucking cancer's back. Well, for sure. Yeah. I was, I mean, it was nighttime. Um, and, and, we were at my parents' house and like the whole family was there and we were watching the kids lip sync to Queen because that was like their thing at the time. We put in on those little performances. And I remember sitting there being like, I in that moment, I was just so grateful. Like things had felt like they were calming down. We were settling in. Like the kids were happy and flourishing. Like I, I remember that evening being just like a really lovely evening. Mm-hmm. I, like we just were all really happy again, not thinking anything was wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And you called and 
the first thing out of your mouth was I have a mass on my brain and I just like, again, like your soul just like leaves your body. Yeah. It leaves your body. And then when it comes back to your body, it's an, it's like a new body that it came back to. Mm. So like the person that I was 30 seconds before that phone call, like she died. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking like that's worst case scenario. So I got in the car and drove down to the hospital. I remember I called Addie on the way. I didn't know who else to call mm -hmm. because I was just like, absolutely in a panic. And I called daddy. Um, and he talked me down. He's like, you got to pull it together. Like you're not allowed to be a fucking mess right now. And I was like, okay, you're right. He like gave me that slap in the face. So we get down to the hospital and again, it was a Friday. So it's like, gotta wait. Um, and we had to wait again until like all the specialists were back on Monday. And, um, from that point they decided to scan you, scan your whole mm -hmm. body. It was nowhere else. It was just this lump on your, on your brain. Yep. So again, the course of action is, is surgery. And so it was a craniotomy where they took the whole tumor out. I remember the surgeon coming out and he's like, listen, it is cancer. Um, we did a little slice and sent it to pathology and they froze it like mm -hmm. in that moment. And they, they can do like a quick diagnosis. He couldn't tell me what kind of cancer it was. Um, but they were like, listen, with your history, yeah, but, but more like, but you're going to yeah. find in the, in like in this process, if you're in this process or, you know, someone in this process, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. And it's a lot of, they will not give you an answer until it's a hundred percent, which I respect that. Yeah. Right. Yes. As the, as they should. Yes. Because you'll hear later in our story, we had a doctor jump to conclusions that was yeah. potentially very devastating. So, um, he said it's cancer. You know, I asked him, I'm like, what kind? He's like, I, I, we, that's going to take 10 days to get that back. Um, so you had a lot of healing after that. I think you had 36 staples in your head. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, but he said, he was like, listen, it was fully encapsulated. It wasn't, it, it didn't, it didn't invade the brain at all. So it was started on the outside of the brain in your muscle and ate through the skull and the dura and was like pushing on the brain, mm -hmm. but, but it, it hadn't invaded the brain yet. Right. So he was like silver lining. You have that going for you. Yeah. Like we got all of it out. Um, clearly they can't get clear margins in the brain. Well, that was, that was, so they do like a, like their medical board before they do, you know, go into procedures mm -hmm. and it's, you know, the, the oncology is there. The surgeons are there. The, uh, you know, there, there's a board that goes and reviews your case. Um, and that was the concern, right? Cause it was so close to my right eye socket. Mm -hmm. That was the, ma the major concern, which led them to say, Hey, we can perform the surgery, but we are going to have to do radiation, um, to make sure that we get a, a clear margin, meaning, Hey, if the mass is one centimeter, we want to get like three, four centimeters around the area. Yeah. And kind of. Of the skull. All of Not that. the brain. Yeah. I do remember telling the doctor, I was like, you can't take his eyes. You can't take an yeah. eye. Like you, you can't. So you have to figure it out. Um, but yeah, so, so they removed it. We went to a radiation oncologist and he said, in my experience, you know, with a mass that size by the brain, the likelihood of it actually being in your brain is pretty, pretty high. Mm-hmm. I don't think we really heard him at the time. We're like, whatever, just radiate yeah. the, the, the space. And so they did, it was a five day protocol. It was like, what, 15 minutes a day for five days. 
or 45. It was 45 minutes a day for five days. And they did just the, the skull, right? The like a surgery site. Like they were like yeah. trying to get clear margin on the bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had significant hair loss. And I remember them saying like, yeah, it won't grow back. Um, and spoiler alert, it did. So thanks for that positive push. Um, and then we kind of just, again, like with the first time, we kind of just moved on. Um, I also did the immunotherapy as well. Well, yeah. So yeah. so then we saw Dr. Daniel. I meant moved on from the radiation. Oh, it wasn't. Yeah. So we saw Dr. Daniels who did prescribe the immune therapy, which I can't remember the f- that first time. Was it the combo Opdivo no, and Nervoi or was it just the? I think it was just Opdivo. Okay. So, and how immune therapy works, melanoma is not, you can't fight melanoma with chemotherapy. It doesn't work. So melanoma is the only cancer I believe that is actually eradicated by the immune system. Oh, I think uh, there's other, the immunotherapy works on like small cell lung cancer and some other, there's some other, other ones. Yes, but specifically melanoma is not. It won't respond to chemo. Yeah, they. I remember they explained it to me. They called it the duping, the duping cancer because the the mutated cell has a protein around it that tricks the immune system. That tricks the immune system into thinking that it's not, it's not a invader. So, so the, the immune system leaves it alone, and it, the immune system can actually propagate it. Or the immune system can fight it. And that's why melanoma is so prolific. That and because it can go anywhere. Clearly it went to your temporalis muscle, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was, again, because we weren't having your brain scanned. We were just okay with them scanning your trunk. Um, So immune therapy essentially causes a cytokine response in the body, which is an immune response to fight the cancer. Luckily, that first, it, it was like a six month protocol that first six months, you didn't have any no. symptoms. We literally were just like, oh, this this is totally fine. It's it's not inconvenient at all. Um, in July, a spot, another spot did pop up on your brain, which we, it was like a one, a one radiation treatment right. to that spot. So at, the, at that point, I think somewhere in that conversation was now I'm a stage four oh, like yeah. brain, brain disease is what he Well, kept. no, you were stage four when the, thing right. went to your, the first brain, the yeah. first one in February. So I was the first stage four. Then it was staged four again in July. And then we found out in September that another spot had popped up when they scanned you, but the medicine had eradicated it. Yeah. I remember him being pretty happy about it. Cause he, he's like through the timeline, you could see one of the tumors that I went in for in the brain for radiation was treated by radiation. Mm-hmm. And one of the tumors again, I can't recall the timeline was treated through the immunotherapy. Well, because they weren't a hundred percent sure on the efficacy through the blood brain barrier. No, they, they were. Oh, I thought he yeah, said it was. No, that, okay. it, it crosses. Yeah. But not as efficient as it just in know. the rest of your system. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think at that point we were just like, what the fuck? Like, is this just going to be forever? Are we just going to be chasing down like spots in your brain forever? Until yeah, you it's have like Swiss every time brain? you get that, hey, there's a spot in your head. It's just some 240 pound linebacker just Taking kicking up. you in the nuts. You're like, fuck. I mean, we weren't really making 
any lifestyle no. changes. And again, this is for later episodes and for people rolling their eyes, like it, that just wasn't, we weren't offered. It wasn't even in our lexicon. It no. Was just and like, no one was offering any of that to us. Yeah. You know, no, there was no one in the medical system that was like, God, let's get you a therapist. Let's get you a nutritionist. Let's no. It was just like, let me radiate your brain till it's Swiss cheese and see you next Tuesday. I did. I did have a, th- he would come up to my infusions and sit with me. Cause that was the, th- the third time. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so that was September, 2019. And by October, you started to have these horrendous headaches. Yeah. I mean, like I've never had a, what do you call it? A, a migraine, a migraine before. Um, but I, I would assume it was probably 10 times worse than that. I, yeah, mean, they, felt, I mean, you were like debilitated. It felt like a bomb exploded inside my head and I wanted to like crack my skull open to let pressure out is what it felt like. So we immediately called the radiation oncologist because he was the one that was treating your brain mm-hmm. and this was a brain issue. Um, and he ordered, um, a scan and you went in, you got scanned and he called us the next day and he was like, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have a tumor pressing on your pituitary. And because of the location, we can't treat it with radiation. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Um, it, like he was, it was kind of like, this is a final blow. Yeah. That would suck the life out of us. Yeah. And we were just like, what do you mean? And so you then called Dr. Daniels and you were like, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I just found out. And he goes, no, 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 send me, send me your scan. And this is another thing of doctors not talking to each other. Why is your whole care team not talking to each other? I don't know, but we were the ones. I think they weren't talking to each other. It's just like these just kind of gross rationalizations without, Without a proper, like, before I say anything, I'm really going to. That was specifically the radiation oncologist. But I I guess to me, I know holistic care does not, it does not exist in the allopathic world. And I mean, that is just what it is. I just would assume that there was some sort of like conversations happening, but it wasn't. Dr. Daniels asked us to send you um, your your scans. And I mean, he's been, I can't say enough good things about him. I think he's an incredible doctor. Um, he called back God the same day. And he was like, this is not a tumor. Your pituitary is horribly inflamed from the immune therapy. Um, and that's also when he told you that your liver looked like it was had hepatitis. Yeah. Also a side effect from the immune therapy. It's so hard on the liver. Well, Um, it's, it's more so the immunotherapy, um, the side effects, you know, whatever it may be, right? The, the list of it is generally a response of the immune system starting to attack healthy cells. Yeah. Is it, it, you know. Um, a secondary side effect is any of the detox or waste that's produced from your immune system, killing bad cells. If your liver or your detox pathways aren't clear and healthy, the liver will then, I mean, that's your main detoxer in the body. So if it's not supported properly, it just starts to inflame and it starts to just become overrun with poison that, that is created by your body. So my liver was shutting down. And in that discussion, he said, you know, I think that was the first term where we heard hypophysitis. He said, you're, you're, it's something called hypophysitis. It's a really rare side effect to the drugs. 
congratulations, you won. <laughs> um, and, uh, but that being with, so the treatment of that would be steroids, but I'm not putting you on steroids because of the hypophysitis, but your blood work to from today or yesterday shows me that, you know, the, the drugs are wreaking havoc on your liver, your liver shutting down. So we need to start reversing the effects of the drugs, which is heavy dose of steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put me on the steroids. It was like, I don't know what 200 some milligrams of prednisone every five minutes. I don't know. It was crazy. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, he had you crushing them up and snorting them. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember we left, we were still at the hospital um, or maybe we, we went out to lunch and we were sitting at lunch and then all of a sudden poof, that the headache just Gone. lifted. Yeah. Right. So the, so the steroids just started, tr- you know, helping with that, um, inflammation mm-hmm. of my pituitary and the, the stalk of the pituitary, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think like the main trunk where it goes out to all the other things, things in the <laughs> endocrine system. Um, yeah. So that ended up being like twice the size, two or three times the size of it, of a normal pituitary gland. And that had, which we'll talk about in detail later, but that had a lot of hormonal consequences. Right. Some lasting endocrine effects. issues. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so at this point you're cancer free. We've just navigated. So your wait, first I, we, round. We, we shorted, there was like one or two inge- infusions. And left, we just, you decided, well, no, they couldn't, it. I didn't decide they had to stop. Oh, I thought you said, okay. Yeah. I was like, he's like, you're basically, you basically did the full, you know, we're like, you have one left or two left. So he's like, you're fine. Yeah. You know, your liver, you have to live, you know, you have to have your liver to live. And that's the liver. Yeah. And he said, we'll just do the, the watch and wait. Um, and at this point they're scanning you from your eyebrows up and from your neck down. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, we never, you were getting brain MRIs and you were getting body scans, but not ever the rest of your head or face, which again, we didn't know any better. We didn't ask for, why aren't you scanning from the tip of my head to the tip of my toes? They just weren't. Well, I was doing, um, uh, pet scans, a lot of pet scans, but not of the whole body. They never scanned your entire body. Yeah. The pet scan was of the body. The pet scan is not good for the brain because your brain naturally has a lot of glucose in it, which they would do a PET scan for on from your neck down on your trunk. You right. never and got then a CT and MRI of the brain of the brain. So I'm never saying showed there's the an face. entire right. correct area. Of never showed head. the face and throat. Yeah. Right. Um, that was not being monitored. Mm-hmm. So this is the end of 2019. Um, 2020, the only thing of, of note was the two grand mal seizures you had yeah. in the middle of the night from um, the what they think is the scar tissue from the tumors. Like there was just a complication. So so then you found yourself on Keppra. Um, and then end of 2020, uh, you had been sleeping with a CPAP machine because you were snoring pretty significantly. And there were fires in San Diego that month. And you started having weird sinus. Well, cause you could smell, it was up in Ramona and you could smell like that wind was, I mean, yeah. it was covering everything. Yeah. You woke up one day with weird sinus 
issues and you're like, oh shit, I think like my CPAP machine, I didn't clean it. And it's just like circulating like fire toxins through my sinuses. Um, And that was the beginning of round three for us. We didn't know it at the time. So you started having weird nosebleeds and sinus things. And because of COVID, your primary doctor wouldn't see you. Mm -hmm. They just kept sending you antihistamines and neti pots and nasal sprays. And, and at this point, I think you subconsciously thought like, Oh fuck, this is bad because you were calling them constantly and screaming at them. And like, why is no one taking me seriously? And it took October to March to finally get in with an ENT doctor. That was, so that was, I would say really one of the big hiccups that I had. And it wasn't, the hospital it was an outpatient clinic, right? Because I had to call the primary. It was your primary care, yeah. And um, in yeah, they, so they California. kept they kept sending me all that stupid. And I'm like, listen, I like I'm this cancer is fresh on my mind, literally. Yeah. Um, and you know, at that point, now you're just hyper vigilant about everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. They're, they put me on this, pro, sent, like you said, the neti pots, the this, the that, all this stuff. And I said, I need to see an ENT. Yeah, because at this point, you're not even getting air through your nose. And so they're like, well, the, you know, soonest appointment is... Six weeks. Was, it was longer than that. It was like almost two months. Oh. And I have the the VA, I forgot what they call it. Um, but it's basically, it's, it's this program where if the VA can't see you within 30 days, then they'll authorize you to go Anywhere. outside of the VA system, yeah. mm-hmm. right? With, with a referral or whatever. So I'm arguing with this lady on the phone. Yeah. She's you like, got flagged. She's like, you were flagged in their file. She's like, no, nah, that's not true. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm like, I have the card in my wallet and I'm looking at it, you know? So that turned into this whole thing. And, um, and then she put my, and then she, she hangs up on me and I'm just boiling boiling um so uh but then of course she puts in her notes that i called you're belligerent i was belligerent because how dare you be belligerent when you have a history of prolific cancer um so uh anyway so i finally get i called that's what i did i called a case manager Mm -hmm. i called the va case manager and i said listen you went straight to the manager i went straight to the manager (laughs) and it's like this is ridiculous (laughs) um and so they, they made it happen for me. They got me an appointment. Immediately. Uh, immediately. Like within that week. Um, got in, back to the, to the La Jolla hospital. Um, and at this point, just to paint a picture, you can get no air up your nose and your neck looks, you look like a cuttlefish or those fish that like- Like a- A blowfish. Yeah, a blowfish, like, yeah. Where you had to blow out like to scare people away. You had- or you see like those old like uh like the the trumpet you know the old jazz players when they blow the trumpet their whole yeah. face blows yeah. up but that was whatever that condition was, is yeah you look like bubble boy yeah. it was shocking it was, yeah it was gross shocking um so you walk into the ENT doctor and um so he's like yeah we'll scope it and take a look at it and I just, I remember him trying to jam a scope up a deviated, a completely collapsed septum and it hurt so bad. And he was just trying to literally force this thing up there. And I was like screaming and he takes out. I was like, well, I'll just go up the other nostril. Like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) thanks man. Um, 
so pulls it up on the camera, gets down into my nasal pharynx and he's like, oh yeah, you got a huge mass. The entire nasal pharynx is, is obstructed with, with a mass. And he's like, he, and he tells me right there, he's like, I have lymphoma. I'm like, lymphoma? I, I've been battling melanoma. He's like, yeah, you know, it's it, from happens. The radiation. it happens sometimes, yeah. you know. I was like, you can get two different cancers, you know? He's like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> go, go to your oncologist. Turd Ferguson, it's a right. cool name. Right. <laughs> and I remember for, I don't know how many days it was, but that was when I was, Cause then you're basically starting from scratch. Like, you know, all this stuff about but melanoma. We were almost and- hoping that it was lymphoma because lymphoma was way easier treated. We had banked crews, cord blood and stem cells and placenta tissue that could have fought the lymphoma. So we almost got to a point where we're like, Oh fuck, I hope that it is lymphoma. Like, because melanoma in the nose. <laughs> I'm just thinking could about you- <laughs> the guy that picked up your, your, placenta it was like a fucking DoorDash. i was like dude this is so weird <laughs> do i dip you <laughs> here's a styrofoam box oh my god of oh my god my wife's innards i don't know why I he's felt- like no just hit me on the app <laughs> give me five stars man. right five stars hit me, me on the five app stars. yeah um i don't know why i felt called to bank the cord blood and placenta tissue mm-hmm. with crew. I don't, I, we didn't do it with the other two. I just, I felt like we had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it'll serve us later in life, but we got to a point where we're almost like, God, I hope it is fucking lymphoma, mm-hmm. which can you imagine? Guys, I wasn't like being, cause I was like, f- like, fuck dude, I've got a whole other cancer to learn about contend with. Oh, like I was because we didn't know anything at that time. To me, lymphoma is so much more known know. and, and, treated and I was I don't know why but but I mean to be in that space where I was like oh god I'm praying that it's lymphoma I'm praying that it's a different cancer because in my mind melanoma in your whole face like bye yeah you know like that was I was hoping it was lymphoma um it wasn't clearly they ended up um yeah, back to Dr. Daniels he's like no dude but he did say in 20 years of him practicing yeah he did he had not seen it spread like that so it was your entire nasal passage Uh, you could almost lick the tumor like through your yeah your what's that gaggly thing in the back i was like leaking tumor (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so fucking gross um and then 35 lymph nodes in your neck were melanoma so at this point, Dr. Daniels says, let me write you a referral to go see a radiation oncologist that specializes in not the brain, but the rest of the body to make you comfortable because your cancer came back while you were taking what they call checkpoint inhibitors, which was obviously supposed to keep the cancer from coming, from coming back. So um, the, their plan... Dr. Daniel's plan and the radiation oncologist's plan was we can shrink it. We can keep you comfortable, but there's not much more Western medicine can do for you. You know, like it's everywhere. We can't surgically remove it. It's grown on immune therapy. Like those are our big guns. That's all we have for you. Um, And we met with the radiation oncologist and he's like, yeah, I could shrink it, you know, 
probably 50%. Um, take so you can breathe, but anything beyond that's, you know, mm. kind of a miracle if, if, if it goes away, you know, I mean, it just was like, there's not a lot more we can do. Like you'll live with this forever. However, for however long forever was for you, they, they wouldn't really say, but you know, it, it seemed like we were getting the, this is it, you know, you're kind of on your own. Um, I think Dr. Daniel suggested a clinical trial, which, mm-hmm. you know, when you hear a clinical trial that we've exhausted all of our efforts. Um, so this is March of 2021. Um, and this is when we really said, fuck it. Fine. If Western medicine can't do much more for us, then we're going to go look at all the other medicines out there and do those things too. Um, and we did. And by October of 2021 you were completely clear and you have been clear since it's now february 2024 your all of your scans are clear your blood work is clear you're probably in the best shape you've been in quite some time um aside from some of the fallout from the medicine itself which we'll talk about later you know just low thyroid and hormones and energy levels like i think you're doing okay yeah yeah. And epilepsy. And seizures. <laughs> and seizures. Um, but you're, you know, I, that last, that last round of cancer, I mean, they wanted you to do two years of immune therapy. I think you got made it through three months and that almost killed you. You lost 150 pounds. I got down to 157 pounds. And you're six one. Yeah. Yesterday I said you were six two, but not today. Today you're six one. Yeah. Um, you were Jesse Cat. I was. Look, you were just always cold and like cold. I was. Well, part of that one because I was so skinny. You had and a, two, a I, fever for literally seven hundred days. Yeah. Well, my endocrine, so I couldn't regulate my body temperature. Correctly. There was a lot. So this it was cold. Yes. This last. The last cancer reoccurrence you had all the side effects you i mean I truly truly i think if you would have had one more infusion you would have died mm-hmm. and i think you and i separately kind of wish at a certain point that 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 would have happened because there were some moments in there yeah. it got that bad you were in and out of the hospital you were i, I mean I, that was my life for a long time it, our life yeah five months i mean i but remember just, sleeping on well, the not couch. five months to just go to the hospital, but like a, a year or a year or so of just like even coming out of it took a long time. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And it was, I remember sleeping on the couch with the kids for a long time because I was convinced that I was going to wake up to a dead body in our bed. Because and it I'd, smelled like a dead body in, well, our, in our bedroom. But I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to be the one to find you. I mean, it was that yeah. bad. It was awful. Yeah. And then the re- the proton therapy that they put you through. I mean, it just was the mucositis you had in your mouth. Like just this last round, the side effects were so intense. I mean, it, the treatment would have killed you before the cancer did. Mm-hmm. And I wholeheartedly believe that. I feel like you're in agreement with that to some extent. Well, the, we, when we, we were doing the, the proton therapy, I think it was a 11 or 12 infusion or, or treatments mm-hmm. of radiation. This is the second round. Um, 
think I'm, I was like too short. Um, not too short, but like I was too shy of, of finishing. <clears throat> and I walked in and I said, I can't. I mean, your mouth was. I can't do this your anymore. Your tongue, you couldn't talk. Well, I was so, I just, your I was tongue. so tired of vomiting and f- just. Your tongue was six sizes yeah, too big. My tongue, I couldn't produce saliva because they were just zapping my neck, my oh, face. Oh yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything. And um, I was just, I was, I was defeated. I was just utterly defeated. Because you um, had just gotten over the, because uh, we stopped the immune therapy after three months and they wanted you to, and it was an infusion every three weeks for two years is what they wanted. And after three months you said, no more, I can't, I can't do this. I'm mm-hmm. going to die. And they're like, all right, well then you need to go do proton therapy. And then the proton therapy, well, I mean, within a week, no, they, I remember the nurse, she, she was like around the f- four week mark, we, you'll typically see patients that, you know, get side effects, i.e. nausea and vomiting mm-hmm. is, is primarily. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, it was like to the day I remember just waking up one morning or maybe in the middle of the night, just, I felt sick. Like I had the flu and I just, it was bad. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. So, um, again, details to follow, um, because there was a lot of other things that were going on during that time. But, um, yeah, in a nutshell, high level view, Spread out over nine years, there was three cancer diagnosis, three different avenues we took, but this last one was the one that probably changed us the most. Yeah. And I think that's what's put us on the path that we're on today. So, I mean, that was the, that was, death was, death was, he was a knocking and had you been a little more willing, you know, I think you probably wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about that, but yeah, there were some, there were some dark days in there for sure. And nights. Oh yeah. Um, but again, if you look at it, if you kind of step back six months, start to finish. And when they called you, with us, and I remember we got to that point where, like, we knew that you were cancer free. Like, we knew it. Everyone mm-hmm. else, I think, was like, "Oh fuck." Um, but you had a scan, and they called you with the results, and they're like, "Yeah, there's no evidence of disease." Mm-hmm. And and you're like, "Okay, cool." And they were like, "No, there's like it's gone." And you're like, "Yeah, no, I know." And even the doctors were blown away. Like, well, and they still wanted you to continue the immune therapy. You're like, "I'm good." Um. My mom, I remember she was crying and she's like, why aren't you crying? And I was like, I mean, I think because what we did in those six months, like we knew that you were, yeah, we knew you were fine. And I feel like we've felt that way these last two and a half years. Obviously we don't know what the future has in store, but I think we are on really solid ground with it now. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, medical fallout, physical fallout, but then there was a ton of emotional fallout between you and I that needed to be worked through before we sat down to do this. So I think that's what the last two and a half years were for us was Mm. try not to kill each other. (laughs) If the cancer wasn't going to get you, it would be me. Um, So yeah, that was our, that's been the last 10 years of our lives from a medical standpoint. Do you have anything to add? Not, I mean, not for this episode, for sure. Um, 
that kind of sums it up. But uh, we're sorry for all the the ambient noise in the background. Our yeah, dogs have been, been a lot of dogs, absolutely insane yeah. right now. Um. um so yeah, we'll yeah. Be- I'm interested to to kind of get into, um, you know, dig a little deeper into mindsets and emotions and thought processes and through the different um, stages, if you will, the different reoccurrences. Um, you know, I definitely like, for, you know, just as an example for me, laying in that bed, just withering away. Um, there's just a flood of a, a wide range mm-hmm. of emotions, right? It's kill me now one day. It's I don't want to die the next day and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, you were, you were with the kids, um, you know, maybe there was some trying to protect them there or, or something. Um, but I'd like to hear a little bit more what you were going through, um, on a personal level as a caretaker, um, wife, mom, um, hard you know, ass. Cause I was, I was, you know, like I said, I was kind of just stuck in my... Yeah, you were in purgatory. I was. I was. It was just torture. It yeah. was just pure torture. Um, and I can take a lot of shit. And that was a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my two cents. All right. Well, I guess you kind of answered it, but I have a question for you. Is it hard? <laughs>